The Dreamers Podcast, episode 42, with John, the founder of Financial Freedom Countdown. Today is November 2nd, 2021. I would like to tell my younger self that don't worry about money because as long as you are focused on a goal, you can definitely get money. There's a lot more money than what you think is available. Just make sure you focus on your goals and money will eventually come to you. Hello, world. Welcome to the Dreamers Podcast. I am Stephanie Annies, also known as Annies Wealth. I'm a financial coach and an author. I self-published my first book, Dream of Legacy, a guide to help dreamers reach financial independence and build generational wealth. In this podcast, I'll have conversations with experts and thought leaders who dare to follow their dreams. You'll hear about their journey and their money stories. I hope it inspires you dreamers out there to live life on your own terms come on dreamers let's change the world this podcast is brought to you by dream of legacy check out dreamoflegacy.com for resources to assist you on your journey to financial independence before we get into today's episode please take a couple minutes to go into apple podcast if you're listening from an apple device to rate and review the podcast. If you appreciate the free resources that are provided in this podcast, then the best way to let me know is to do just that. Reviews help the podcast be more visible and it helps other dreamers discover the podcast. So thank you. I appreciate you. And now let's get back to today's episode. Hello, welcome to the Dreamers Podcast. I'm your host, Annie's Wealth, and I'm so glad that you're here today for another episode of the Dreamers Podcast. Today, my guest goes by his first name only. John is the founder of the Financial Freedom Countdown platform. He came from a third world country to the US when he was in his 20s with only $1,000 in his pockets. And in 12 years, he was able to build a net worth of $2.3 million and become financially independent. John has since retired, but he talks to us about the journey from earning $35,000 or so in salary to over $260,000 a year. So he walks us through the steps that he took to save and invest to become financially independent and the importance of investing in your human capital. John's story has been featured in many publications like Forbes, CNBC, Authority Magazines, and so many others. I hope John's story resonates with you, no matter where you are on your financial journey, as it really goes to show that you can change your financial situation and build wealth, no matter where you're starting from. All right, here is John. John, welcome to the Dreamers Podcast. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Can you tell the Dreamers a little bit about you and what you do? Sure. I am someone who left a third world country around 16 years ago to come to the U.S. I came here with only $1,000, not knowing anyone, just guided by an immigrant dream. In 12 years is when I accumulated a network of slightly over $2 million, moved to the San Francisco Bay Area, and then became financially independent and decided to retire early. I was working in San Francisco Bay Area as a technology director I initially started off my career working in software, and then I slowly moved up the ranks in different positions, 
going through my career, I've had a number of instances where I met individuals who are earning a lot more than me, but at the same time was so tied to their job that I decided to look at all of this differently. And initially, although when I came to the US, my goal was not to be financially independent and retire early. After some point in time, I decided, okay, I think there is a point in time where I need to take a step back out of the rat race and see how the early retirement goes. So right now I'm early retired and I'm definitely enjoying the journey. And so you said you moved to the US 16 years ago. Where did you move from? So I moved from India. And at that point in time, I think India was very different than what it is now. It was a very closed economy. So there were not a lot of job opportunities. So how old were you when you moved? So when I moved, I was 27. You mentioned earlier that you became financially independent in 12 years after moving. Right. Do you mind sharing a little bit about what it meant for you to be financially independent? For someone to be considered financially independent, I think what needs to happen is you need to consider what are your annual expenses and then figure out, okay, how do I achieve this level of income on a monthly basis or an annual basis without needing to work? And that could be different for every individual. Some individuals would decide, okay, if I need 40,000 to live, once I have that number of 40,000, I would just multiply that number by 25. I would accumulate a net worth of $1 million in stocks. That is because stocks are assumed to more or less provide, I would say, 4 to 6% return annually on a conservative basis. So if you go by the calculation, you just have a large nest egg of $1 million in stocks, and then you can get around 40000 annually in income inflation adjusted, which will then fund your lifestyle through the rest of your life. The other option could also be something like real estate. A lot of investors go that route where they make sure that they are monthly income after all the expenses from real estate is enough to meet more or less daily lifestyle. So I think the key to financial independence or early retirement is to know what is your current living expenses, figure out what is important in your daily life and calculate based upon that, what is your financial independence number. And so you were able to do that in 12 years. What percentage of your income were you saving? When I started off, initially, I was not saving a whole lot. That's because my income was low as well. So when I started working, my income was, I would say, thirty or 40000 if I remember correctly. And then over a period of time, I made sure that my income increases exponentially. Because one thing I realized early on was that no matter how much I can save or increase my saving rate, there's only so much I can save before it becomes very hard for me to continue daily living expenses. So to give an example, like food or your gas expense or even your rent is fixed expense, right? So you can only save this much and cut costs before it becomes really difficult. So early on in my career, I knew that when I came to this country, I have nothing but just like $1,000. And the only asset I have with me is my human capital. So I decided to leverage most of that and increase my income. So as my income increasing, I was able to increase my saving rate because I kept spending more or less the same amount. There was increase in what I would spend every month, but it would still be much lower than what my salary was increasing. And that's how my saving gradually kept creeping up. And then when I was almost at the end of my financial independence journey, my saving rate was as high as 85 to 90%. But it initially started off very low. I would say not more than 5 or 6% when I was starting off at a very low salary. So you mentioned that your initial, your starting salary was around $30,000, $35,000. I read an article, I believe it was on CNBC Grow, where 
you mentioned that you went from having a thousand dollars when you moved to the US to having a $2.3 million net worth. I'm sure people are listening, wondering, okay, so how? What was your ending salary? Right. So my ending salary was slightly around 260 to 270,000 plus stock options and bonuses on top of that. So definitely a, quite a big jump, I would say, from the initial start to my ending salary. So for anyone listening want to increase their human capital, what kind of advice do you have? What are some of the things that they can do to do what you did? Sure. So I think to increase your human capital, and I wrote an article on this on my website, which was one of the first ones ever published when I started the website was, first of all, I think you need to understand that you need to learn new skills. And by new skills, I mean, not just what you study in college and school, but also in terms of soft skills, because a lot of jobs require your core hard skills like engineering or medicine, but then a lot of people's skills are needed because you interact with individuals at your work, in your daily life. And a lot of that soft skills in terms of influencing, negotiating, talking with other people, trying to figure out how to solve other individuals' problems will get you a long way. So those are skills which are not essentially taught in school. At least I did not learn any of them. So that is something which you need to practice and become good at by observing other people, probably your seniors or your coworkers who are really good at it and try to figure out how you can become better with all of those soft skills. Then the second part, I would say, is definitely add value outside your team. What I noticed early on is that my boss would not just go by my recommendation, but by more or less what his peers would do. So I decided, okay, let me try and figure out what my peers in other groups want help with so I could go and help them in my spare time. And of course, all of this requires you to go over and beyond your regular work, right? And then on that aspect, I would say, make sure you ask for the promotion. I can personally speak as an immigrant. A lot of us are shy. We are afraid that we are not worthy of it. And I think most of the audience might be in a similar situation. They, oh, I don't deserve it. I'm not good as this one or that one. But I would say, ask your boss saying, hey, I want a promotion. What do I need to do this year for me to get a promotion next year? Have that plan, have it written. You might not achieve all of it or your boss may set impossible goals, but at least you know where you stand and you know if it's something which is achievable or not. And then I would definitely say also you need to be networking with recruiters. So I would get a lot of requests on LinkedIn. So if you're not on LinkedIn in a professional capacity, definitely have your resume out there on LinkedIn. Recruiters may contact you. Just stay in touch with them, even if you don't want to leave your job, because you never know when you might need those connections or be useful to them. And definitely, I would say, even after you leave your job, keep your bridges open. So with your former co-workers who have left and gone somewhere else, just keep chatting with them, meeting up with them for lunch or with your former bosses who have left the organization, just say a hi, hello with them occasionally. So they kind of remember you. So if there is a position ever in their organization and they need someone, you are top of the mind when they come to hiring, right? And I think one of the key aspects which I did in all of this job hunting and improving my human capital was figuring out what's my unfair advantage. So to give you a simple example, like when I came to this country, I'm an immigrant. I have no family, no ties to this country. I just am here by myself. So I went to my boss, like the promotion conversation I had. And then he said, oh, we have a client. And I was like living on the East Coast, close to New York City. And then he was like, oh, we have a client in the Midwest. No one wants to go there. But if you could take a trip there for a week or so, that would be great. And once I did that weekly trip, I then realized that, hey, the client really wants someone to be here, not just once a week, but they want someone to be more frequent. So I 
went up to my boss and said, hey, I don't mind relocating all over there to the Midwest and living over there. And my boss was very surprised because no one else was willing to do that. So I think that was my unfair advantage that I'm an immigrant. I have no ties and I'm able to do that. So I think it might be different for each and every one on this podcast. But I think figure out what is like your unfair advantage and just see how you can leverage it. Thank you so much for sharing all this insight. You know, you said some very interesting things about imposter syndrome. Most people struggle with And I think especially like for immigrants like us, Right. Definitely something that we have to get over. Can you share maybe some of the tools that you use to move past it? A part of that is also the soft skills, which I mentioned. So making sure you're good at influencing, negotiating, trying to learn from others. And I used to read a lot of books. So some books are really great, like Never Eat Alone. That's a great book. And then the other one is also on networking and making sure you're talking to others. Influencing and persuasion as well. There are quite a few books I will label out there. I can send the list later on. But all of this will definitely help you. And I think some of the soft skills are just like speaking and being good at communication presentation. You definitely need to watch some videos and practice on your own over and over again until you get really good at it. And I speak this as an immigrant who actually did not have English as my first language, right? So a lot of this involves practice being deliberate with it and making sure you are doing this over and over again. Sometimes it may seem repetitive and like a chore, but you still need to do all of this to get better at it. During those 12 years where you were on your way to financial independence, how were you investing your earnings? So when I initially started off investing my earnings, I decided early on that I want to accumulate more assets, avoid any liabilities. So Some of the assets which I started off initially was just stocks and individual bonds. And then over a period of time, I then branched out into more assets which are common like real estate, which is buying my primary house, rental property, as well as then figuring out other investments, which I did. Some of these investments, of course, did not go well. Like I used to invest in commodity trading and also some lithium stocks and all of that. So Those are some of my mistakes, which I've documented on the blog and did not go well. But some of the early investments, which I did definitely pick on, a lot of it was definitely making sure that moving away from individual stock picking to more index funds and having more or less the market take care of my dollar cost average investment. And then getting a rental property after I moved to the Bay Area so as to keep my housing expenses in check, but also having an asset which is inflation protected and hedged. And a lot of times I used to struggle with questions like, is it better to invest in a 401k or buy real estate? Should I buy stocks or real estate? So all of these questions, which I used to have at the back of my mind, I did mental calculations. But now that I have a blog, I am able to actually put out these calculations, which I had with all the assumptions, which I used at the time I did all of those decisions out there so other people can use it and then leverage it for their own respective situations because each market is totally different as far as real estate is concerned. So a lot of assumptions may need to be tweaked and changed, but at least a framework of my thought process and my decision making is definitely out there. So a lot of these different assets help me get over there to financial independence. Talk to us about the financial responsibility as an immigrant for your family, the financial responsibility when it comes to your family. Right. So my parents are definitely, I would say, a frugal. 
we grew up and never had a lot of money growing up, although we did not grow starving. My parents definitely tried to save more or less what they had and provide a good lifestyle for us. So even like growing up, I would remember we would get like new clothes only once a year. We did not have a television for the longest period of time. And then when we got a television, we had a black and white television because it was much cheaper than having a color television like growing up. So all these instances with respect to money, I do remember. And luckily, my parents are still in good shape that they can, for now, living in India, take care of their daily expenses by themselves. But they are also retired. So they're just like living off their savings for now. But over a period of time, as they grow older, and I bring them to the US, I do envision a scenario where I will need to be spending a lot of money in order to settle them kind of locally here in terms of their medical and other expenses. So that is something which is already built in my net worth plan or my financially independent plan, making sure that I'm able to provide for them and have them live here without stressing about money because the exchange rate is really bad between India and the US. So I do need to take care of all of that. And they have definitely given me the freedom when I moved out of the house, out of the country to live on my own. So I do feel obligated that I should take care of them. They have never asked me to do anything for them, but I just feel that sense of responsibility that I should do something for them and take care of them in their old age. Thanks for sharing that. How are you investing for the future now that you've reached financial independence? So now that I've reached financial independence, I am investing more in real estate. So I have realized that I think living in different countries makes you look at assets in a slightly different manner. And one thing I realized is that the U.S. is unique in the sense that it has a program where you can essentially borrow for very little to buy real estate and it's backed by the government and you have a fixed rate mortgage for 30 years. When I lived in India, I even have some friends who are in Europe and you do not have such a long dated mortgage with a fixed interest rate backed by the government which allows you to actually leverage. So I've grown more bullish on real estate in the last three or four years. But sadly, since I live in the San Francisco Bay Area and real estate is prohibitively expensive, I've not been able to invest a lot more. But I looked at several crowdfunding websites and been doing a lot of the real estate crowdfunding over there and tried to invest my money in all of those sites so I can get the benefits of real estate and at the same time not have the headaches of managing a tenant or rental property and all of that when I'm far away from it. But at the same time, my network can increase as and when the real estate grows or the income from that particular real estate grows. So I've done everything from like commercial office building, investing in real estate crowdfunding to actually investing in farmlands, some of which are located in Iowa and near Chicago. But those are the ones which provide a stable return for me. I've grown more conservative, I would say, as I've grown older and the fact that I'm no longer earning an income. So when I was earning an income, I would take more risk with my investments. I would have like individual stocks and build my moonshot portfolio. I also invested in like crypto. And in fact, I wrote an article about investing in Bitcoin when it was 8,000. Some of my readers bought it, but at that point in time, my readership was quite low. So I did a lot of those risky bets early on, but now that I have no income and I want to have a much more simpler portfolio, I'm looking more for income-based investments and some of the real estate investments are what I'm attracted to at this point in time. So I would say my asset allocation, my investment philosophy has gradually changed depending on my lifestyle and where I'm at currently. So how has your life changed since reaching financial independence? 
I would say my life has definitely been great that I no longer need to wake up to an alarm clock, go to work. And I think one of the biggest aspects of me pursuing financial independence was, although I was increasing my income all along and moving from one job to the next, there was a particular incident actually in my mind which propelled me towards, okay, saying I need to be more diligent about all of this, tracking my expenses and tracking my financial independence number and trying to achieve financial independence. And this was basically a point in time when I was leading a program and we had a big project launch coming up. And then my VP, who's in her 70s, came up and said, hey, my sister is not feeling well. What do you think I should do? I was like, oh, you should take time off and go. Don't worry, we'll manage this. And she was like, oh, no, I'm too stressed out to do all of this. I will visit her maybe after the product launch is done because she was afraid that the CIO was like really focused on the program and she wanted to show to the CIO that she was invested in it and she was there on it, all hands on deck. Sadly, one or two weeks after that, discussion with her, she got a phone call when we were in a meeting. And then I talked to her after that and found out her sister passed away. And that was more shocking. I mean, I could see that she felt really bad about her decision not to go, but triggered in me an emotion thinking, oh my God, this person is a VP and she earns three times more than me, yet she's so tied to the job and the lifestyle which she has built with all of that money that it's hard for her to take a risk and say, okay, no, my family comes before me and my job and I will just take a quick one week break to go and visit my sister. So all of that triggered a bunch of emotion in me. And at that point in time, I decided, okay, I need to get more serious about my journey and focus on financial independence. And even if I don't decide to retire early, at least I have the option if such a situation comes up in my life where I say, okay, I need to take a break. I need to pause and go somewhere to take care of personal activities or my family or whatever. So I think now that I have achieved financial independence, I would say all those options are definitely open to me and definitely say has been great. The only unfortunate part is that I decided to retire early or be financially independent and quit my job last year, which was not great for travel. But Mm -hmm. I'm sure once countries open up and things slowly get back to normal, I could go back to traveling, spending more time with people outside the country or in different parts of the world. And I think I'll definitely enjoy that a lot more since I'm no longer tied down to a job or a location. So for any of the dreamers listening, maybe they are in the shoes that you were in when you first moved to the U.S. and they don't have much to start with. What are five things that they can do now to get started on their journey to financial independence? One thing I would say in terms of it is the first thing is definitely human capital. Figure out how you can earn more. It could be something as simple as even improving your skills or starting a side business or hobby. Now that the world has moved more or less with the last pandemic online, everyone is okay with people doing side gigs online. You could just start a website or have an ebook published, something where you can just generate more income online. That will give you a lot more confidence and diversify your income source away from your job. So definitely increase your income both at your day job as well as a side job. Second thing would be to have a good look at your monthly expenses. See what is essential versus discretionary, something which you can cut off at a later point in time versus something which you can make do without a lot of sacrifices. The third thing would definitely be look at your current net worth and see where you are currently in life. And like I mentioned with the formula, just multiply your monthly expenses once you have paired it down to the essentials by 25 and see how 
quickly it will get you over there. The fourth, I would say, is definitely look at all your investments, your net worth, and see, okay, once I have both of these numbers calculated in terms of my monthly expenses versus what is my financial independence number, kind of asset allocation do I have? Am I sufficiently diversified? What is the average return on all of the assets in my network? And then once you have all of that done, I think the last step would be to definitely build out a financial plan for yourself, see how you are doing, track your net worth regularly. You don't need to look at it daily, but at least on a monthly basis, your net worth should be increasing either with the increased assets in your portfolio or with you increasing your income. Just make sure your graph in terms of net worth is going up and to the right. And I think you'll definitely get there in no time. So I would say you focus on all of this and your financial independence journey will be there. So John, I always end the interview with a round of rapid fire questions. Are you ready? I am ready. Tell me about a book that changed your perspective on life. I would say the book that changed the perspective was Ricky Robbins, Your Money or Your Life. It does talk about how you are exchanging every time you're working, you're exchanging your life energy for money, which is totally fine. But you just need to make sure you're aware of the trade-off and what you buy with that money is something which contributes to improving your life. What's the best investment in yourself you've made so far? I would definitely say my human capital. It's not like any other asset available on the balance sheet, but that's something which helped me increase my income and grow my net worth exponentially. Filling the blanks in three words or less. Money to me is? Providing me freedom. What's one thing about money you wish you could tell your younger self? I would like to tell my younger self that don't worry about money because as long as you're focused on a goal, you can definitely get money. There's a lot more money than what you think is available. Just make sure you focus on your goals and money will eventually come to you. What do you want your legacy to be? I definitely want my legacy to be something which talks about someone who has the ability to help others, to coach others, to guide others, whether it's just one person or many more. doesn't matter. I think as long as one person benefits from the advice or the goals which have been set, that is all that I want. John, thank you so much for sharing your story on the podcast, Divine Telling Our Listeners Where to Find You. Definitely. I can be found at financialfreedomcountdown.com. That's where I write every week, at least put out two blog articles. And you can definitely look at most of my other articles around the web as well. Right. Thank you, John. Thank you so much. Was John, the founder of Financial Freedom Countdown. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Coming up on the podcast next week, we have Patrice Washington. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Dreamers Podcast. You can find the episode show notes and all of the links mentioned at dreamoflegacy.com. If you liked today's episode, here's what you can do to support me and help more dreamers discover the podcast. Follow the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Rate and review the podcast to help the podcast gain more visibility. Share the podcast with your family, friends, and co-workers. And if you really enjoyed today's episode, please take a second to tag me at thedreamers.podcast on Instagram and let me know what you liked about today's episode. All right, dreamers, that's it for today. I will see you back here next week for another episode of The Dreamers Podcast. Okay, dreamers. Time to build this legacy. This podcast is for general information purposes only. 
It is not intended to provide any tax, legal, financial planning, insurance, accounting, investment, or any other kind of professional advice or services. Please consult with an appropriate tax, financial, or legal professional to receive appropriate advice based on your situation. 